Hey listener, it's Harry. So as I mentioned last week, trying out this little exercise where I'm asking for feedback from you. Naturally, you're listening to this episode, you're a regular listener or a new listener. And so, inspired by Eric Newsom's book, Make Noise, I'm asking you to share this podcast or this episode with one person. And that could be a family member or a friend, and it could be on social, it could be at your next tea party if you do that, or your family gathering or your barbecue or your night out with the gals or the guys. Anywhere where people are having a conversation about podcasting, share your experiences listening to this show. I would truly appreciate it. Make it a staple show. Will it ever be that way? I don't know. I have no idea. But what drives me is just in the industry of entertainment, the collaboration with other podcasters, success always leaves clues, I think. What are other people doing to make their show successful? And to get as much help and to be involved in the podcasting community as much as I can. Podcast Junkies, episode 266. I've got my morning coffee, so I'm a little bit buzzed. Welcome back. I'm Harry Duran. If you are new to the show, welcome. Welcome newcomers once once and for all. No, one, one and all. <laughs> uh, this is the show where I talk to some of the most interesting folks in the world of podcasting. And it's folks who have their own show, have had it for many years, or are doing really interesting things as a founder or as a company owner or a leader in podcasting. So many cool things happening in this space. I can't even imagine uh, I would have been thinking about this as, as I got started back in 2014, but it's been a fantastic journey so far and showing no signs of letting up. Last week, we had Scott Miller on for round two. He's the host of Franklin Covey's On Leadership and just released his new book, From Marketing Mess to Brand Success. Really, really fun. His energy level is off the charts and he doesn't disappoint. We took some concepts from the book and applied them to podcasting and we had a blast. So make sure you check that out, 265. This week, someone that reached out to me and we ended up having a chat via email and I decided it was going to make for a great conversation. And that's Brett Allen. He's a single dad, he's a veteran of the United States Air Force, and he's the host of The Brett Allen Show. It's a weekly podcast where Brett interviews celebrities, comedians, and pop culture icons from your favorite movies, television shows, and so much more. In this episode, we discuss Brett's podcast journey, the decision to rebrand his show, and why he chose to interview celebrities after running through a couple of different formats. It's really interesting because you can hear his thought process on what he was thinking when he started and how he decided to shift gears, which ended up making for a better show. This episode is brought to you by Focusrite and specifically the Scarlett 2i2 sound card, one of my favorite go-to sound cards, something I use for each and every podcast recording. The 3G line is a go-to for all new podcasters. Find out more at podcastjunkies.com forward slash Focusrite and the link will be in the show notes as well. We learn about how he differentiates his show from other similar interview-based shows, strategies he's employed to help grow the brand and audience, and we touched upon why leaving a legacy for his son is something that's top of mind for him. The other thing that I love is it was a back and forth, and I've been really thinking about this recently, this idea of the folks that join me here more as my co-hosts than as my guests because they're adding just as much value to this conversation, and I wouldn't have a show or an episode without them. And I'm thinking years ago to someone mentioning this, referring to guests as hosts. So I'm not the first one to come up with that, but I, it's been coming back to me recently, given the, the content that I'm sharing here and the quality of the conversations I'm having. Full show notes available, podcastjunkies.com forward slash 266. We go out of our way to make sure they're fully detailed, timestamps, quotes, links mentioned. Make sure you check those out if only to put a smile on my face. And if you did, just say, hey, I read your show notes. Or you can also leave us a rating and a review at ratethispodcast.com forward slash podcast junkies. I'll be sure to read those out on future episodes. If you're looking for ways to support the show, been testing out the value for value model, which has been championed by Adam Curry and Dave Jones on Podcasting 2.0. I've been talking about that show a lot. Check out newpodcastapps.com if you're on the bleeding edge and checking out some shows where you can actually contribute directly to your favorite podcasters. I know that Pod News is on there. Uh, Dave Jackson has recently signed up, School of Podcasting, so I'm going to go check those out as well. 
Make sure you stay to the end of the episode where I reveal this week's retention hashtag. All the paperwork has been shuffled. We are ready to get into this conversation with Brett. So Brett Allen, host of The Brett Allen Show, thank you for joining me on Podcast Junkies. Yes, thanks for having me, Harry. It's it's a pleasure and an honor to be here. I'm excited about our conversation. So how did you hear about the show? I know we started uh, an exchange via email, so I'm just wondering, and I'm always curious how people hear about the show, and uh, as a podcast host, never take it for granted when uh, new listeners find it. Well, I've been listening for a very long time. I mean, I found out about your show, I think, originally through Dave Jackson, who... If you're a podcaster and you're listening, he's talked about you multiple times. That's nice. Yes. And to be honest, and you probably know this, your show and your name is very prominent in the podcasting community for kind of connecting and making these unique relationships with podcasters and sort of an advisor, I guess, to how you should run a show. (laughs) So to answer your question, that was initially how I got connected. And then, you know, we've had other guests that we've shared in the past. And so I'm a a loyal listener, first time caller, (laughs) so to speak. That's funny. Yeah, those uh, callbacks to the radio days are funny as well, because I always remind people of like when you would used to call into the radio station and request like Duran Duran, for example, to use my namesake band, and they would say, Harry from Yonkers is just, here's your song. And you'd get all like all excited. So I remember Dave Jackson leaving me a review or mentioning something on, on his show. And I had time to listen to all my friends' podcasts and I got super excited and I tweeted out, I'm like, Dave, thank you for the shout out. And I think I emailed them. So I think as podcasters, we always worry about what's the big thing, what's the silver bullet that's going to get us like these thousands of downloads. And I just continuously remind people that you've got to do the things that don't scale and you've got to build these one-on-one connections with podcasters. And and then people would inevitably ask me, how long? <laughs> and I'm like, as long as you want to keep growing your show and maybe just start there. I'm just wondering if you could talk a little bit about the history of your show because you just recently went through a renaming as well. Yes. Well, I would first say I agree with you on that. You have to look at this in the long term where you can't like I've had a lot of amazing people on my show. But the thing that might surprise people about that is just because you have somebody prominent, that does not guarantee anything. In fact, it can have the reverse effect and really make an episode tank. And there are a lot (laughs) of people who who I've had that happen, who I thought, man, initially this is going to be a ringer. And like as podcasters, just to caveat on that thought, you know, we are the ones who have to decide that we want to make a cake. So we find the cake, we bake the cake and we sell the cake. We do everything with the cake. And The person that we're serving it to, i.e. your guest, their job really is to only come and show up and eat the cake and do a good job of that, right? And past that, we have to be responsible for everything else. So I started three years ago as a journey podcast, as it's often referred to. I did it through Anchor. I did it through my cell phone because that was the easy way to go about it. And I just wanted to do a podcast. So I started talking about my divorce and being a single parent and just a lot of things and eventually investing in equipment because I did want to start interviewing people. And, you know, I got what most new podcasters get. You know, I got a laptop, a Yeti microphone because you got to get the blue Yeti, right? And not slamming that, but you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, not the best choice. Not the best choice. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) but I did it. It's a really, it's not a cheap mic. And what's funny is I remember I I went to recently visit my parents in New York and I had been there like probably three or four years ago and I needed a microphone. I remember I ran to Guitar Center. I bought the Blue Yeti and I was like, cause that's all they had immediately available. And so it's there. So now I just keep it there anytime I'm at my parents' house and I have to use it in a pinch and I'm there for like more than a couple of days. I'm like, well, the Blue Yeti is there. It's a decent mic, but to your point, it's extremely sensitive and it's got all the different settings because it's meant for like placing in in a room. So if you don't know what you're doing, it's very easy to make really bad audio with the Yeti. Yeah, you could literally hear your dog barking down the street like or a toilet flushing or whatever. I mean, I could go on about that, how many people I come into and... They've got the Blue Yeti and they've got it 
upside down, but I digress <laughs> on that. In any case, I started and then eventually I started interviewing other people. I would get friends and family. Eventually started moving into like the entrepreneur space as far as getting some people on. And then I just... What was the show called early on? It was the Open Mic Podcast. And I don't know why I chose that name. It kind of just was like, well, it's an open mic because I'm covering a lot of topics, right? It could be anybody, a sex therapist or, you know, Evan Carmichael or a Dave Jackson or whoever, like, you know, Jordan Harbinger. Like, I was just getting people on because I wanted to talk to people. And my goal at that time was just to try and get good at interviewing, right? I would listen to other people. And then sometimes I would even find myself kind of mimicking them a little bit, maybe like a Adam Carolla. You know, I, I tell this story a lot. I find myself, if you listen to his show, he always says mahalo at the end of every podcast. And I think I might've even said that. And I was like, this is really weird. I don't know why I'm saying that. But as I kept getting into this, I kept making connections in the podcasting community. People like Eric Hunley, who has a great podcast. He's been on as well. Yeah. Unstructured. Yes. Yep. Yes. And really just kind of developing how to do a good show. Eventually it started to turn into just pure interview shows. I stopped talking about my divorce and co-parenting. I felt like I kind of exhausted that, although it resonated with a certain audience I knew that I wanted to do an interview show. So that went on for like a year or so. Then at one point, I thought about doing a rebrand initially. Long story short, I essentially had this like creative breakdown and stopped podcasting for a year because it just became so overwhelming. And just I was getting caught up in all of these silver bullet things that you mentioned. And that became so stressful that I just stopped because I felt like creatively stuck. And it wasn't until... Was it that, what was it that you were feeling at the time? Is it just a burnout or... I just, was feeling burnt yeah. out. I, okay. You know, because there was the whole conversation about pod fading and I'd already done like... A, I was just trying to put out too much content. I was doing episodes every day. I was stacking up interviews sometimes doing three or four in a day because I felt like that's what I had to do to have a good show. And I wasn't really looking at the overall picture of what a good show could look like. And so it just drove me crazy. And I just stopped. I was like, I can't do it anymore. So I got to a point last January where I kind of done some other things. I connected with the pod sound school folks and kind of had them do an like an evaluation. I did something with Dave and I was trying to really, I think I was overthinking things. And then I just started producing again. And when the pandemic hit is when I really decided I was unemployed. I had nothing but time. And so I was able to really focus on trying to put out a good show. And I read a couple books. I had Dave Jackson which books did you read? So I read the book Stop Chasing Influencers by Jared Easley. Yes. And I was kind of going... Kamanzi, right? Yes. Yes. And I was like trying to go for all these big influencers and all these entrepreneurs because I thought it was going to take me to the next level when really it wasn't doing anything at all except, yeah, it's a great name and a great resume, but really like you're not, you're just doing it to do it. And when they're that popular, they're essentially just cycling through all the interviews because they have a book coming out and right. they're just, they, they really can't even distinguish what shows they're on. And, and they probably just end up saying 80% of the same stuff, unless you have a really skilled interviewer. Yeah. You know, I imagine if they, you know, some of these names, they go on like a Tim Ferriss or a Jordan Harbinger show and they'll have a different experience. But for most of the time, you know, m most people don't have the resources to do that sort of in-depth research. But I, I think what's important in what you're going through is being clear about who the show is for and who the show is not for. Because I think one of the mistakes you made in the beginning was to be a general show because you have the open mic show. But then if it's all things for everyone, people don't know, unless they know you personally, they don't know like why I should be listening to the show. Who's Brett? Why is this story important? Right. It was almost like as if, if you had focused specifically on the divorce conversation or the co-parenting you may have even been able to grow that because people were specifically looking for that type of information. Yeah, I would agree 100%. Like, 
you know, now it's pop culture, it's interviews, it's people coming on, promoting things specifically or going after somebody specifically for something, whether I do still have some authors on. I moved away from the entrepreneurial aspect because that really wasn't my audience. And I was looking at things and realizing what was resonating and why people are tuning in because I'm having this fun conversation and and it's different as far as like, maybe they're not talking about, you know, a television show, but they're talking about being a parent or just something that people are interested in. And yes, I would agree. You know, it's like they are kind of just cycling through and coming on, like even John Lee Dumas, you know, who's been on everybody's podcast, I think at one point, you know, it's like, what can I ask him or even Jordan Harbinger, who's amazing, who I've had conversations with just in coaching type scenarios through either email exchange or whatever, like they're professional guests. Like that's what they do is they go on these shows So for him to come on my show and for me to not talk about podcasting or guesting or Feedback Friday or his six-minute networking course would be very difficult to do. Although I do this full-time in my head, I still work a day job, right? So it's like really even think I could come up with something that he's never been asked. I would have to go through hours and hours of archive footage of him or even Dave Jackson like it always circles back to, you know, things that they've always talked about before, which is great. But on their end, it's like, well, this is what they talk about all the time. So what can I do to make this more interesting for my listeners? Because I know they're going to come on and hit home runs every single time. Like, So how do you think about that? Like, what are you doing differently now than you did when you were starting in terms of how to tackle some of these interviews with folks who've probably been on a ton of shows? Right. Very good question. I think for me now, it's like I'm very targeted about who I ask to come on. And I mean, I do get pitches a lot from public, you know, PR who are like, they have shows that their guests are doing. Like I use this as an example for Howie Mandel. I knew that he was promoting America's Got Talent, but also I knew that he loves to talk about mental health and ADHD and it was mental health awareness month. So I knew specifically these are the things that we can talk about. And when I'm asking for people to come on, I'm very specific about what that interview scope is. And I think it's understanding what my goal is, is to not just get a name on, but to have somebody come on and have a good, honest conversation. Maybe they are promoting something We'll talk about that at the beginning, but then I like to just ask, you know, the pandemic made for a great conversation topic for a long time. Like everybody was stuck at home. So it's like, what are you doing? Are you learning how to make beer? Are you making pretzel bread? You know, what fun hobbies have you come up with to sort of pass the time in your life? Right. And I think how did that conversation with Howie go? It was a fantastic conversation. Well, with him, it's like you just have to wind him up and he goes, really. Like you have to be on your toes or maybe even like a Joel McHale. It's like they're promoting something specific, but I know that they're both parents. You know, how do you manage parenthood and a very busy career when you're traveling all over the country? Or do you bring your kids with you on the road? And I don't know. I just have it's very fortunate. They turn out to be really good conversations i think most of the time you know so when you think about the new structure because it's mostly celebrity focused. pretty much i'd say 99 percent. the one percent would maybe be an author or somebody else who isn't pop culture necessarily but like take a john acuff who writes a book but it's popular in the pop culture universe like they're mainstream authors enough where we can come on and talk about things So when you think about the ideal listener, have you given that much thought? I just finished reading Eric Newsom's book, Make Noise, which I will a thousand percent recommend probably for the next couple of months because it's Eric's really knowledgeable. He used to work at NPR and he used to run the audiobooks division and podcast division at uh, Audible. And he's got some really, really great tips on how they get shows started. One of the very interesting ones was this idea of a 10 word description for your show. And you can't use filler words like fascinating, amazing. (laughs) You have to really think about the 10 words that describe who your show is. And then 
Dave Jackson's talked about this as well, creating an avatar, like to the point where you have a name, like my ideal listener is Susan. She is a fan of like TV shows and movies. She watches shows three, three different series at a time. She goes to the movies once a month. Like it's that detailed and like how many kids she has. And again, it's just one little slice. But what that does is as you are having these interviews, whether it's with an author or with someone like Harry Mandel, you're thinking about, will this content, is this interview providing entertainment for my ideal listener, Susie? And it's something that you, you should, like you think about as you're having the conversation. Like, for example, I know that people that listen to this show are in the podcasting space and, you know, our fellow podcasters. So I'm always trying to make sure I'm conscious of that. And something I heard recently was that when you think about your show and you think about the value it's providing, every minute of your audio should be adding some sort of value to the listener. I've been conscious of that recently. So that's what, that's what was leading my question. Yes. I mean, for me, it's, you know, maybe the soccer mom or the commuter who happens to be a fan of one of these people, but necessarily doesn't have time to watch something on TV, or maybe they're interested in a movie. So they can come and hear this quick 30 minute interview with this person where we can get as much content as we possibly can. Or maybe someone, obviously, in a broader sense, that's just a pop culture or television or movie fan, and they might have an interest in somebody specific. So I would say 50% would be, you know, somebody coming on to promote something, and the other 50 would be me going fishing for somebody specific because there's a certain topic that I want to discuss with them, no matter what the case might be. And that listener who's on the car commute or maybe at the gym who is trying to just, who's interested in somebody that I might have, that's really where I try and focus in on and get that guest in particular. I mean, there are some filler guests, you know, that just I might be doing a favor for somebody for something, but it's because They've gotten me somebody else in particular that I might be interested. But even still, looking at my stats and breaking things down, seeing what episodes perform well, I always keep that in mind as well, because that to me is my audience, you know, listening and saying, okay, well, this episode only played for 10 minutes. So clearly this person may not have been of interest or, you know, I don't know. Maybe they were doing something and they only had 10 minutes to listen. So that's interesting that you mentioned the, the 10 minutes. So are you using the Apple Podcasts login portal or to get that granularity of seeing how long people have listened to the episode? Because you can only do that, obviously, for listens on an iOS device because you're not going to see overcast activity on iOS. But if you do log into podcastconnect.apple.com, you can see, to your point, how long people have listened. And is that what you're doing? I do that in Simplecast. I pay okay. for the... Highest level, yes. And I go into this sometimes obsessively where I'm looking to see how episodes are performing, right? And that's interesting to me because I have figured out that 30 minutes max for me is the limit. And sometimes some people come on and talk longer, but that's just for me and my show. And you're seeing that from a drop-off perspective when you look at the metrics? Yeah, Yeah. I'm looking at the metrics and going, nobody's listening past 30 minutes. Or if they are, they're maybe in bed listening to my show as they fall asleep or maybe getting ready in the morning, depending. And that's important to me as a podcaster because I'm very interested in that I'm a numbers guy because I'm in sales. And so I want to see how I can constantly improve and pack as much content in as I can in 30 minutes or less. I mean, sometimes I have no choice. Sometimes the guests might only have 20 minutes, 22 minutes. And so that's like from the time we meet in Zoom or however I'm recording until the time limits up. And there's sometimes even a publicist on the other end who's clocking it. And it's just because they're doing multiple interviews in a day. Sure, sure. So just to guide the listener, we're going to wind the clock back a little bit, and then I'll return back to this point because I want to ask you about some of your strategies going forward and really like what your thoughts are for how you're going to grow the show. And so we'll talk about that in a little bit. But why podcasting? You know, you talked about open mic, and I imagine at the time you're listening to shows, what was the drive for you to decide that 
that point in time was when you needed to have a voice and you needed to start your own show? Well, I mean, I have a background in radio, Christian radio. I was a DJ for a very long time, and I was interviewing Christian musicians, artists, authors, uh, sh very short form interviews, like five, 10 minutes type of thing. And I've always had an attraction to just talking to people. I'm a people person. And again, it was just a happenstance thing. I saw an, literally an ad for Anchor on Facebook. I clicked it, downloaded the app on my iPhone and just started talking because I didn't really know what a podcast was supposed to look like at that point or really what the definition of it was, right? And so I wanted to talk about things that I thought people might find interesting. So I talked about my divorce. I talked about co-parenting. It was a lot of free therapy <laughs> for, you know, a long time. So to answer that question pointedly, that would be what drove me and I didn't know how to get people to listen or what kind of strategy to have. I was just trying to create content because that's what people were saying, you know, just do it and then figure it out later. I don't know that I would recommend that to somebody new necessarily. I mean, I think it's good to have ideas and a, a structure and a plan, but at the time there wasn't a lot of free help out there. And so I just kind of did it. And, um, you know, I thought, I have the, if you build it, they will come mentality, <laughs> which is true to a point. Yeah. To a point. To a but point. I'm, I'm wondering where that drive for, you know, performance or lack of a better phrase, but, you know, to become the radio station DJ for your church would indicate that you have maybe an outgoing personality. Are, yeah, were there signs, I would say were, so. Were there signs of that early on as well? Yeah. I mean, I was always performing as a kid. I mean, just always doing something, whether it's creating youth programs and so, again, I'd always had an interest in interviewing people and celebrities. Obviously, I wasn't in a position to go out and find a job at a radio station. So I thought, well, I could create a podcast and just do it myself. And Which is essentially your own radio station. It is, really. You can't get fired. You can't yeah, you get can. you could get canceled, but you they can't, you know, they can't. Nobody can really dictate the type of conversations that you can have or who you can talk to, you can do whatever. Like there's literally, you could find a podcast about anything. I think if you did enough research, would there be anyone in your family who's surprised that this is where you ended up now? <laughs> Probably not. I mean, it may not make sense to them because of course the question always comes, well, do you make money from it or do you get paid? And not necessarily, maybe through a sponsor or through some affiliate program. But yeah, I mean, you know, it might be unsurprising, but also my mom might be like, well, that's weird, you know. Or just even explaining what, what a Yeah, is. I mean, it's like, well, why would this person want to talk to you? Did you pay for him to come on your show? You know, like, do you know what I mean? It's like, there's like disconnect. It's like, why? You know. Did you have an attraction to or fans of like shows growing up? Did you watch a lot of like serialized TV movies or? Oh, constantly. Yeah. yeah. I'm a pop culture fanatic. I think that's okay. part of what drives me to do what I do. And, you know, this space of podcasting is very niche and it's very competitive and it's like, it can be stressful. You know, it's not very forgiving because it's so competitive. You know, it's like, well, who's, sure this person's been on a million other people's shows okay great so now what can i do to make a difference and yeah and I, but I, I think there's also an aspect of it which may i don't know if you've been to any podcasting conferences also but there is a collaborative nature there as is well. yeah, yeah there and is. there's a, a bit of a rising tide of salt boats and when you meet people like dave jackson and you've mentioned having jordan on your show so there's people that are constantly giving and as the industry grows as any does, you will have people who see us as competitive and just trying to beat the next person. But I think, yeah, thankfully, I, think thankfully so. I got into the time in 2014 when a lot of people were helping each other out and just giving a lot of free advice to help people grow their shows. Because I started a podcast about podcasting, but there's Dave's show at the time. Ray Ortega has, you know, the, his show there, Podcasters Roundtable. Daniel J. Lewis had a podcast, Eric Kate Johnson, all, all friends of mine that I've thankfully had on the shows, but you know, podcasts talking about podcasting. And even since I've started my show, I've kept tabs. There's probably about a dozen other shows that have started in the field. So it's almost like you sort of like keep your blinders on. This is something I tell podcasters all the time. Like 
the reason racehorses have those blinders on is so they don't get distracted from the other horses that are r- racing as fast as they are. So to that point, moving forward, you've now branded the show as, as the Bird Allen Show, focused on celebrity interviews. So talk a little bit about the strategy and what your thoughts are for how you want to grow the show and, you know, like the journey you're taking your listeners on now. Yes, I think as far as like the big picture, you know, I think like a lot of people want, obviously, to make it a full-time job, I think is the dream, right? I mean, everybody wants to do that. I mean... <laughs> so yeah, let's pause there. So what does that look like when you say that and you describe that to people? Because I'm sure people have asked you, hey, what's the goal? Where are you going with this? You know, <laughs> Just getting specific. And it doesn't have to be the way it's going to end up. But what do you think about when you think about something like that? Well, I think being on a competitive level with people like Corolla or Rogan, I mean, obviously those are high aspirations, but to just be able to come in and to talk to people and have a team to be able to manage things. I do have a publicist and a manager who helps mitigate a lot of the white noise, but I'm talking like just being able to do this as a job, have advertisers and to be able to make it a staple show. Will it ever be that way? I don't know. I have no idea, but what drives me is just in the industry of entertainment The collaboration with other podcasters, success always leaves clues, I think. What are other people doing to make their show successful? And to get as much help and to be involved in the podcasting community as much as I can, whether it's sharing a guest with somebody or perhaps maybe just having them come on my show and talk about things, you know. But I think whether that means it's like a YouTube show eventually and I'm doing video and audio I don't know, but I mean, I think the dream is just that is to make it as big and as best as I possibly can, you know, and scale the small things like we said at the beginning and do the very best things that I can now. So when those opportunities do come, if they come to be as best prepared as possible, whatever that might look like. So when you say you want to have the show to be as big as possible, the other thing to think about is also to make the best show possible. And yes. I'll, I'll come back to the book and I would highly recommend you just grab it, grab the Kindle and just read it. It's incredibly valuable. I've already started to think about ways to do things differently for my show. And like I said, I've been doing it since 2014. So I think having the mentality and the mindset of constant improvement And that can take a variety of different ways. And you have to be strategic about this because you can't just do a shotgun approach and be like, I'm going to do these 10 things and then see which one of them work. You have to like try the one thing. So for example, a couple of things that come to mind, are you having people write reviews and are you giving clear instructions? There's a service called ratethispodcast.com and you could just say ratethispodcast.com forward slash Brett Allen. And then they give you the review and then you read the review out at the beginning of the show and that's just kind of like we talked about with those early days of radio, like people hear their voice or their name and they're like, oh, yeah, that's great. So that's just one example. But I think just being strategic about the things that you can do so that when guests come on the show and they leave or the half hour's over and they're like, wow, Brett, I, I really like enjoyed this conversation because it's different than all the other podcast interviews I've been on. And you may not have the like specific strategy for how that happens, but I think if you have that objective in mind, like what is the Brett Allen experience? Like when a celebrity comes on, you know, what are you doing to and like add something of your personality, something so that you're not just seen as another interview show? No, I think that's great. You know, it's just, it's focusing on the small things and it's always quality, you know, is number one, I think when I try and do something. And that's why I think maybe part of the rebrand took place and really, not so much focused on trying to get as many episodes out as I can, but really being selective and doing the best show possible instead of just cranking something out just for the sake of putting out an episode. And the other thing would be to think about maybe even niching down in the types of people that you speak to, because I think you said authors and movie stars and and people from TV. And obviously you want to leave as much room as, as possible in there for those types of conversations to dynamically happen one of the things you can do is when your interview is over ask the guest hey just really had a great experience with you do you know anyone in the space or you know another a fellow actor who you think would be a good guest or make for a good guest and you'd be surprised sometimes that people like oh yeah 
I've just been working with this person and, you know, they just finished up this project and, you know, th they'd be a good fit. And I think I have a second show called the Vertical Farming Podcast and I, I don't know anything about that industry. I just started it because I wanted to learn and I started interviewing CEOs and founders. And as I have these conversations, you know, these people are like the, at the top of their, their game, you know, they're not a celebrity, but in the world of vertical farming, like they're big names. And what I hear at the end of those conversations is like, I felt you were going to go into like a lot of technical detail and ask me a bunch of technical questions, but you didn't. And the time flew by and I really enjoyed this conversation because it was, that's what it was. And I'm like, yeah, this is not an interview. This is a conversation. And it's a very different dynamic because if people feel like they're just going to drill through their talking points, you know, they'll check out and you can see it sometimes on yeah, camera. They're, they're 100%. not focused. They're, they're like on like their phone texting <laughs> or you could see them yeah. doing this number, you know, where somebody's in the room with them. Yeah, 100 percent. I've had that happen a lot. <laughs> it just because of whatever, you know. And it's an ongoing practice, but I, what I would guide you to do is, you know, listen, Eric's, Eric's got a really good interview, Eric Hunley, a really good show. Obviously, Jordan does a great job, but even people that outside of the podcasting space, I grew up in the 80s, so my dad would sit me in front of the TV to watch 60 Minutes and, and Barbara yeah. Walters, Terry Gross, like all these people that do specific interviews, even Tim Ferriss, like I'll listen to an interview and I'll be like, he just got that guest to say something like, what, what question did he ask? And then I would rewind it and be like, oh, I see what he did there. He like found a thread to pull based on what something said, because what happens is, and, and let me know if this is what's happened in your case, that you want to get through a couple of questions that you know are relevant to this guest, but sometimes, you know, you don't have enough time. And sometimes they'll say something that's not related to your questions, but you're like, well, that's interesting. Like the time they almost died on a mountain in Nepal or something like that. Like if you just went to your next question, you'd be like, the listener would be left like, no, Brett, ask him like about the accident. And, uh, and I'm just some kind of thoughts that come to mind as you're talking about how to distinguish yourself from other celebrity interview based shows. Yeah. I mean, there are times like that. And sometimes we will switch conversations, you know, and kind of go a different direction if we need to, depending on how, they answer the question. So yeah, I mean, I think that's all valid. And again, the goal is to just be the best and to make somebody want to listen to me versus like the millions of other interview shows that are out there because there are tons of them and they do all kind of the same things. But you know, why do people tune into Jimmy Fallon? Why do they tune into James Corden? You know, is it because of the guest maybe, or is it because they know that he might do some silly skit or do something absurd that nobody else is doing right. Or just asking some maybe more difficult questions. And that's always the goal I think for me. Yeah. And, and again, just to, some guidance there is when you say you want to be the best and coming from a reporting background, what gets measured gets managed, right? So when you say you want to be the best, like, what does that mean? Like put some metrics in place. And does that mean that could be downloads? That could be feedback you get from a guest. That could be feedback you're getting from your listeners and also polling your listeners too. Like, did you like this interview? Did you not? You know, what could I do better? Do you have a community right now where listeners of the show can gather? Yeah, on Facebook and Instagram, I get a lot of messages. You know, I might say, what did you think of this? Or at the end of the show, let us know what you think. Send us an email. And I do get those occasionally, a lot on Facebook, you know, just kind of polling people and saying, what type of questions would you like to hear and that sort of thing. And so how do you think about the growth of the show? If you, you know, if we were having this conversation 12 months from now, what would need to be happening in your world for you to be happy with your progress? Well, I think onward and upward is always the best, you know, and not just getting advice that's solicited, but also taking that advice and applying it practically, I think is the key. You know, I can ask somebody for something, but if I don't listen to it and I just put it by the wayside, I think for me, I have a tendency to pendulum swing if somebody makes a suggestion to go in just the far most extreme direction and I think that's what caused my moment of creative breakdown is because I was listening too much and not striking it in the middle so I think finding a healthy balance of what people have to say and being the best and so yeah in 12 months obviously asking better questions maybe getting better guests 
maybe growing my show, whether it's in community or trying, you know, I think the whole download and all of that stuff, that's an interesting animal. But really, I think it's just building the community more and getting people, finding people and getting people to have a reason to be excited, you know, and taking ownership of the brand of the show and just really maximizing every piece of it that I can. And that the other thing to add there, you said growing the show because onward and upward, upward, just be specific, you know, and, and you know, you don't need to share specific numbers here, but just pen to paper, like afterwards, like if you're doing a thousand downloads, do you want to do 5,000? Do you want to do 10,000? If you're doing a hundred downloads, do you want to get to 500? But just have those markers, because if you just say you want to grow the show without the specifics of like the numbers you want to hit, you know, you'll do different things if you want to move a show from 100 to 200 than if you want to, you know, move a show from 1,000 to, to 2,000. Eric mentions this in the book. He's coaching someone who's got 5,000 listeners, and they're like, I want 5,000 more listeners. And his question was like, well, what did you do to get those 5,000? And the podcast host couldn't really tell him because like, oh, we did a bunch of different things. So if this is in reality, like what you want to do, and this is where you want to grow and build a name for yourself, like, you know, figure out what you want that the Brett Allen experience to be like, you know, what's the tagline for your show? I don't know if you have one now, but that's something to think about is there because it's the Brett Allen show, but the tagline should be conversations with newcomers in the the world of TV and film. You know, that's just a literally like I just came up with that, but think about that because that tagline then tells people like, Oh, this show is for me. This show is not for me. And it tells potential guests too. Like, Oh yeah, that I feel like that's aspirational. That's a show that I want to be on. Yeah. I mean, right now it's a pop culture podcast, which could even be broad at this point. But yeah, I think that's all really great things to consider, you know, and to make the Brett Allen experience one that people want to be a part of and go that or and well, I mean, there's a million other shows, you know, he was on Jordan Harbinger, but now he's on Brett's. Well, why would I want to listen to Brett's? What is Brett going to do different than what Jordan Harbinger did. And we've had a lot of the same guests just because of timing things, but really, you know, it's not so much about that, but more about what's going to separate me and not so much trying to be like an individual, but to figure out the steps to get to a different level, whether it's, you know, setting goals for metrics like you suggested, or, you know, just niching down even more and figuring all of that stuff out. Why is the podcast important to you? I mean, I love talking to people. It's literally a creative outlet for me. And I just love doing it. I love talking to all these people. I mean, it's so much more than just getting somebody famous on. It's just, if it wasn't for that show, I probably would not be having these kinds of conversations with these people ever, ever, ever. Unless I went to some Comic-Con event. So for me, it's about creating an experience and creating something that I can be proud of. That's part of it. The other part is leaving a legacy for my son, something that he can be proud of, you know, and go, my dad did this thing and this is really cool. Check it out. You know, he's six and a half now, almost seven. So it's really kind of like, you know, foreign to him on some ways, but he kind of gets what I do. And I mean, I want to be able to leave a legacy behind on that level. So those pieces, I think, really sums up podcasting for me, you know, and really just trying to be the best that I can at it. And and it's fun. I like talking to people. I'm a very outgoing person. So typically, this is the way that I can scratch that itch and talk to some amazing people and have great conversations, even like this. <laughs> Why is a legacy important to you? Well, I mean, I think for me, you know, my dad instilled certain things in me, you know, and although he was not a technical type of person, you know, to teach me to change oil or to this or that, but he taught me always open a door, you know, always be respectful things and tenants that some people in this generation may not agree with, but just chivalry, I think. So for me, I want to be able to teach my son certain things, you know, and just to give him something that he can be proud of. You know, I might not be able to teach him this or that, but I can teach him what hard work looks like. I can teach him what persistence looks like. I can teach him what stick to looks like. 
And what happens when you put effort into something that the dividends can pay off either in the short term or the long term? You know, it's interesting when you say that I really feel like your passion come through for what you do and your why, you know, as you talked about that is really important. So just an idea that comes to mind, that type of connection is so important for a new guest. Maybe there's an opportunity if you do enough research and you find out that the guest has kids or they have family members, you know, what's a bonding moment you had recently with a family member? That could be a really good question because it's one of those questions that really lets people put their Love guard it. down a little bit. You know, and so, you know, try it out. I'd love to hear back from you if, if you think that worked, but it could be, you could have like these, almost like these arrows in your quiver types of questions that help you to just dig a little bit deeper and try to get them off that platform of just like, I'm here, I'm going to only answer these questions and then I'm done. And, you know, these interviews are so short sometimes that even if you lead with something, you know, so it just breaks the ice a little bit and, and helps them feel safe. Cause at the end of the day, guests, hosts, like we all want to feel like we're in a safe space. And that's when we share our most vulnerable moments. I love it. I love it. I mean, I can think of already practical things to make things different. So thank you. <laughs> uh, yeah, of course. What is something you've changed your mind about recently? Something I've changed my mind about recently? Ooh, that is a tough question, my friend. That's an Oprah moment. You know, I think for me is only worrying about the things that I can control. And it sounds, you know, generalistic or pedestrian, but it's really true. Like I used to get so stressed out about certain things, whether it's with my show or just family, whatever, but like there's only so many things I can control. And this last year taught me that, whether it's money, whether it's this or that, like if I can make sure that these things are done and some of it, I just can't control. And I feel like to me, that is what has allowed me to breathe creatively and to podcast successfully. I mean, for me, that's defined just being able to do what I do. That to me is success. Like to be able to book somebody that's a whoever and to get them to say yes and to have a good conversation. That's how I define success. Parts of that I can and parts of that I can't control. Right. But to answer your question pointedly, yeah, it's just, controlling the things that I can and the rest plan the best that I can. And if I have an Oh crap moment, you know, don't let that define me. Roll with the punches. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it really has to be that way, you know, go for good enough, I think is something that has said a lot, but really, you know, going back to what you said at the beginning really has stood out to me in this conversation is just scaling the small things and not, really looking for the silver bullets because there are always going to be silver bullet moments, but they're not going to get you where you think they might get you all the time. Right. You know? Yeah. And, and always <laughs> have your listener in mind because, you know, I do this with this show, like I've spoken to big names as well, but I'm always leaving space, you know, for conversations with people, people that I've never met before who, who would otherwise have not crossed my path had they not reached out like, like you did. And I think, your Which show, I was very you know, nervous about, by the way, I have to tell you, because <laughs> I don't talk like to me a little bit about that. Yeah, I'm not very much in self-promoting necessarily, but also like, you know, sometimes you have to create opportunities and see what happens. The worst that you could have said is no. And I certainly didn't want to reach out in a way that was like, I like what you said when people reach out in a genuine way. And like, what does that look like? Well not being like, Hey, there's two ways you can come about it. Hey, I've done this, that, and the other, and I've had this person and that person. And that might work like when I'm trying to book somebody, but when I'm dealing with somebody who's very embedded in the space and who knows a lot of people and is connected, it's like, you want to be as genuine as possible. And so, you know, just, I don't do it often, you know, very rarely, like you are probably the only person that I've ever done it with. And it was just because <laughs> I was hoping that we could have a good conversation and we could both provide value to each other and that you would could perhaps maybe provide direction in some ways too, kind of subconsciously, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, it was... How'd we do? I think we did great. Like, I feel <laughs> like you benefited way more than I expected. 
and uh, not that I had low expectations. You know what I mean, though? Like, I wasn't sure what to expect. I was talking to Eric about it, and he's kind of like, well, you know, be prepared because it might not go the way that you are thinking. (laughs) And I was like, well, what the hell does that mean? He's like, well, you know, this is somebody who's going to ask you really honest, like a therapy session, like questions about why did you take a year off or why do you want to do an interview like this or like why like why what makes your show well, yeah. so- you want to know why people do the things they do there's this some there's yeah, something that comes comes from the like at the japanese school of like manufacturing it's called the five whys and people have yes. extrapolated into other scenarios but when people generally give you a reason for something that's the highest highest surface most visible reason the proper answer you don't have to do the five but if you eventually if you do like one or two more like why did you do that and they'll say, well, to be honest, I, you know, I had something else in my mind. And why did you do that? Well, I was distracted because I had a loss in the family. And, you know, why did that happen? Well, there was an accident. And like, they'll literally get to like the root of what is driving them and why they do the things they do or made a specific decision that will be more genuine and uh, just better listening. Because at the end of the day, and again, to come back to, to Eric's book, Make Noise, like people want to be engaged. People want to be entertained. People want to feel something when they hear a conversation. And I think if you're, I'm conscious of it as we're having this conversation. If you're conscious of it as you're having your interviews with your guests, you're literally thinking like you almost Dave Jackson does this. He puts a photo of his listeners like on a wall. So when he's having the conversations, I still have yet to do that. But if I did that, I could be staring at my ideal listener in the face and I'd be like, I better keep this going. I better keep this interesting because Susie's going to like dial out you know, after those 30 minutes, like we talked about earlier. Yeah, I think it's fantastic. You know, I think it just comes down to having genuine and honest conversations and really being sincere about it versus just the staple, you know, interview where it's like, welcome to the show. Let's talk about your book. Let's talk about this. Exactly. And not putting any effort in to get to know the person necessarily versus like sticking to their talking points. And or their one sheet, whatever the case might be specifically. What's the most misunderstood thing about you? Well, I mean, I think people just don't see me like as somebody who maybe is standoffish or especially in our community of podcasting, because I may not necessarily do everything that everybody else is doing, but there's specific reasons for it, whatever the case might be. So, but I try and change that persona and be as helpful as I can possibly be and help to a degree that is helpful versus just, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like providing value where it's necessary and just being genuine, you know, because if, you know, although our community is very helpful in supporting, you know, like somebody might invite me on their show, but then they're like, Hey, so are you going to have me on your show now? And it's kind of like, well, you know, well, here's the thing to think about this. And this is something that you'll want to articulate early on, or maybe something on the website. Like I have people asking me all the time to like, can I be on the show? And it's about marketing. It has nothing to do with podcasting. They don't even have a podcast. And I'm like, so now what I've done is I've actually created a policy. If you go to podcastjunkies.com forward slash guest ops OPS. And it's just a paragraph. I use a service called Notion that you can just whip up these pages really quick. And I was like, this is the show. I usually pick my guests ahead of time and I usually don't take cold requests. And this is why this is the value. This is a show where I interview, speak to other podcasters. So, you know, it may not be a fit for what you're doing. And obviously if you've never done any research on my show, there's probably zero chance you'll ever come on. So you just, <laughs> exactly. that, you just do these. This is what you're thinking about, Brett, is your listener all the time. Yeah. And would a quid pro quo be good for them? Or would, but the more important question is that, is this the right thing for my listener? And if it's not, or you have this like internal feeling, this hesitancy, like, oh, I don't know, like that, you got to listen to that. Like that's your instinct telling you like, it's probably not a good idea. And yeah. you should just say, as a general rule, I don't do swaps. I need to listen yeah, to Yeah, well, that's show. what it's become add, for me. Yeah. And I'll add you to the queue. And if I do have time and I see it's a fit, I will let you know. So you just have to set the ground rules early on. And that way people don't feel like they're obligating you. And even just coming on with that caveat. I stay out of those conversations quite regularly. I don't even, you know, those groups sometimes cause me just wretched anxiety, you know, because of, 
you know, whether this is on or off the record, I say this a lot, you know, it's just, I don't even get involved in them because, you know, it's just, it's not, (laughs) I just don't. And I think because of that, oh, well, he doesn't do this or that. Well, you know, think what you might, but if you ask me and want to know, I'll tell you why. So I'm going to take that piece and just, I don't know, post it on my Facebook yeah, page. Because I think, yeah, like you said, those people that are looking for the quid pro quo, like you want that person on the show because you feel like they have a story or something specific that your audience is going to get value of. You don't know that the opposite is true. And so right. outlining this to people ahead of time just, you know, saves you from those conversations. But and that's why, so, yeah. yeah, Eric Conley and I stopped doing what we did because he went in a very specific direction. You know, I'll throw him a guest now and again that I feel would be a fit for him. And he'll say yes or no, but that's not with the expectation that he's going to share, you know, something with me. And I can always tell, like, so I put this post up and I told people, this is what I want to talk about. And a lot of people I just ignored because I knew that really they were going to have me on just because they wanted to get information on how to book Howie Mandel or how do I book, you know, so, and I can always tell like when the conversation's going to, and I do talk about that stuff. I've done it, you know, at PodFest or IndiePodCon or whatever, you know, but it's more of like a masterclass type thing. It's about doing specific things versus, you know, can you give me an email here or there, which still happens from time to time, but I've pretty much learned to filter most of that out and we'll continue based on the <laughs> advice that you just gave me. So thank you in advance, Harry. <laughs> As we wrap up, what's your biggest takeaway from today's conversation? Well, I feel like that, you know, being a co- a podcaster, there's a lot of things that are required and perhaps maybe some things that I've not given a whole lot of thought of or maybe passed over. So I feel like I've learned a lot <laughs> as far as like how to, what a better show looks like. It's not necessarily the guest, but really what's going on behind the curtain? You know, how is the sausage made and what am I doing on the very, even more minute details to be better versus just like, you know, booking a big guest. So there's that. So thanks for reaching out. I really enjoyed our conversation because I always get to talk and see what people are doing in the podcasting space. I think for me as an interviewer, it helps me keep the saw sharpened and keep you know, engaging people that are at different parts of their podcasting journey. And I'm always excited when people tell me how they started because it, it, it sort of reinvigorates me because I remember those early days and then, you know, the enthusiasm wanes and then you get excited when you hear people that are just as excited about podcasting as you were when you started. So I'm always appreciative of these conversations. Likewise. So can you share where folks can uh, listen to the show and, and get connected with you? Yes. I mean, I'm available on all the platforms, yada, yada. I think brettallenshow.com is the best place to go. B-R-E-T-T-A-A-N-Show.com, where you can catch all the latest episodes. And please drop us a line. My email's on the website. And let us know what you think of that and this conversation. I would love to hear your feedback. Any upcoming guests you can tease out? I did press the other day for the Showtime show, The Shy. Okay. So I have a big press junket that I'm releasing this week. Very and uh, I'm excited about that. I've been a fan of that show from day one. So it was nice to be able to talk to some of the cast and really talk about their stories and how it's such not just a popular show, but a show that has meaning and purpose and is important to our culture, especially within the last couple of years. So that's coming up this week. I'm very excited about that. Okay. We'll make sure we have all those links in the show notes. Thanks again for your time, Brett. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Harry. It's been a pleasure. Thanks again to Brett for coming on the show. I loved, again, the back and forth. Uh, It really felt like a a session where I was helping to coach him on some ideas he had for improving the show. And I think we're going to be having a follow-up. I really, really get jazzed. My marketing brain kicks in and I really start thinking about ideas for my show, ideas on a help the guests show and it's similar to the work I do with clients and I never get tired of it. Full show notes available at podcastjunkies.com forward slash 266. Don't forget intro and outro music composed by Cedar and Soil, cedarsoil.com for his fantastic list of music. If you're thinking of hitting the pause button because you don't like end credits, then 
You should remember that this podcast would not be possible without the support of our sponsors, Focusrite. Check out their awesome line of gear at podcastjunkies.com forward slash Focusrite. And our podcast production and marketing provided by Fullcast. Sign up for a free podcast brainstorm at fullcast.co forward slash chat 15. Next week, again, returning to the scene for round two, the woman who gets things done, Esprit Devora, host of the Woman in Tech show and a couple of other shows we've been chatting for a while and been friends for years and been sharing rooms in clubhouse and i just felt there were so many cool things going on that i wanted to have her and she never disappoints so i'm looking forward to that conversation next week if you've made it this far you're no doubt looking for this week's retention hashtag let's go with tv brett and tag us at podcast underscore junkies and brett at brett allen show b-r-e-t-t-a-l-l-a-n show thanks for all you do to support us, me, we, the world of podcasting. Talk to you next week.